I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus, at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. Welcome back. Welcome in. This is Country Roads Confidential at earsports.com. This is a Paramount podcast. I'm Mike Casaza here to talk assistant coaches, West Virginia University football to help me out. Chris Anderson, Chris, um... Big season, big momentum, new AD trying to support his football program, big names, major headlines, we kind of figured, and two out, two in, nobody gets fired, and I'm not sure a lot of people recognize or anticipated either of the names that West Virginia brought in. I'm not saying it's a bad thing either. What do you make of these developments right now? Right off the bat, I want to start. You said nobody got fired, which true. Nobody's been fired. I'm not expecting anybody to get fired. But we are recording this January 29th. Are they done? Let's start there. Before before I get into what's happened so far, let's start there. Are they done? Because I think you've noted before there's a couple guys whose contracts are up, as far as we know, on January 29th, not yet renewed. And those contracts are up, you know, next month which they plan that out in advance it is a dead period it is after signing day so teams can for years have done this so they can get the signing classes in and then make their coaching changes mike are they done that is my understanding people i've talked to since they hired the outside linebackers coach victor cabral um heard they weren't done kind of had an idea what that might be turns out it was sean reagan now I've heard that they're done. Their plan is to go ahead, as you first had out there, Chris, that they're going to have Shadam Brown, who is a coach on an expiring contract. They'll have him coaching the entire back end. Um, I think I'm allowed to say this. His Twitter handle is back end coach, right? Um, that means he coaches the back end. 
So he'll be doing corners and safeties, probably get help from a GA. But I think that's the plan they're going to go with. They've been out talking to, you know, when they're trying to hire an outside linebackers coach, you had to tell people what the plan was. That was kind of the plan that was going along. And now, you know, they've had some of these coaches recruiting, like Tyler Allen, for example, the new quarterback's coach. He's been out recruiting for a little bit. So I think these plans are not only done, but like they've actually been in action for a while. And not to say that you have to tell everybody what you're doing, but the function of these people has been such that it looks like this is what they're going to continue doing. I'd be surprised um, if something happened. doesn't mean it won't, but I don't think you're going to have a termination right now. They're going to have a plan. They're going to go forward like this. Yeah, for, for those curious about the uh, Tyler Allen thing, we'll get there in a second. But there, there were guys that were going out on the road. You're allowed 10 coaches, 10 staffers. It doesn't specify coaches. It has to be 10 approved staffers. That means people who have been through the – what it got like recruiting, you know, background check and training program, all that stuff. Ten approved staffers that can be on the road recruiting at any one time, and they had nine assistant coaches. Um, you know, Cabral had not come in yet, so different various uh, GAs have been going out. They've been taking turns, and then Tyler Allen went out, and I was like, wait, is that you know okay? That he's just subbing in as one of the GAs that's going out, right? But he's not a GA; he's an analyst. And then it became clear, you know, like you said, like, hey, he, he's out because he's a new coach, new quarterbacks coach. So he's going to be one of those 10 approved staffers. Let's start with you uh, pick offense or defense, Mike. Which way you want to go? Offense. That's the new one. Let's okay. do that. I think I, I think that's the easier one, too. So let's go there. Let's knock it out, get it out of the way. Promoting from within, Sean Reagan out, Tyler Allen up. They like him. He, he was one of the first people that came in with Neil Brown back in uh, 2019. He was here as a GA, left four quarterbacks coaching jobs. So he is not some guy who's never done it before. Um, uh, coached an all-conference quarterback down at Jacksonville State. Got some work with the offensive line. Back to West Virginia as an analyst. You know, you know again, handpicked by Neil Brown to be his special assistant to the head coach. So this is someone that has, I mean, I guess we can go so far as to say was being groomed for one of these positions on the staff. And so once Reagan went out, man, you were very quick on it to message me and be like, hey, this is probably the move right here. And that ended up being the move. And I'm fine with it. I mean, if you find a young guy that you believe in and you trust in and you have brought up through your system, why not give him that job when it becomes available? Yeah, it's I mean, logically, it makes sense. If you look at what Brown has done for a while, not just recently, I think we make a big deal out of how he's kind of bet on himself or his hunches lately. And it's worked. Got him nine wins. He does have a job this year as the head coach, as opposed to an analyst or an offensive coordinator somewhere else. So you could say that a lot of his, his gut work has has turned out, even though it's been there in the past. And this is someone that he actually had with him at Troy and then made the move and brought him here. Happy to see him leave, sad to see him leave, but really knew he had a future. But there's, I think loyalty is kind of a cheap word sometimes. Camaraderie, comfort, familiarity, those might be better words, substitutable words there. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Brown still does a lot of work at the quarterback's coach. And that is like a takes one to no one position. I think it helps if you played it. He did play it for a couple years in junior college, played in high school, but he's coached it for a while at different levels for Brown in his offense and an offense that's, um, you know, similar a little bit, I think, but just the mechanical stuff and how to talk to a quarterback, I think that helps. I think the problem that people have, the block they have, it's not a name. You know, you're you're going to hear very obvious names when it comes to West Virginia and quarterbacks. Could be Pat White, could be Clint Trickett. This has been done for weeks from what I understand. I don't think there was ever much 
of a chance for somebody else on the outside getting it. And I think if you put the names and even the playing resumes, I just said it takes one to know one of like a Pat White or a Clint Trickett next to Tyler Allen. Yeah, the scale is definitely going to tip in another direction. If you look at what Brown is most interested in, it tips in the complete opposite direction toward the guy that he hired. And that's probably all that really matters right now, too. Um, you know, we don't have a say in these things as much as a fan might root or want a favorite player from the past to be it. Doesn't really matter. And you're much more happier the team that you root for that had those really good players in the past. If that team is winning the quarterback position is playing well, and at this point, you kind of got to put your stock in Brown to say that he, he kind of knows what he's doing with this position and, and who he wants to pull the levers. And that's why he went quickly to Tyler Allen and didn't go really very wide or far on the search either. It seemed like it was done pretty quickly. And he had an idea, like probably knew that Reagan was going to be leaving one way or another. And to have Allen back for two full years in, in kind of increasing responsibilities versus an analyst and as an analyst and associate or assistant to the head coach, sorry, special assistant to the head coach. He threw a lot at him to see what he could handle for a reason. And and one of those reasons is, can one day, could he be a position coach here? And that, that day came pretty quickly. What's to say about continuity as well? Like the, the offense made strides in the right direction. Why not promote from within with, with somebody who was involved in that correct direction? Why bring something in that might be, you know, a, a different coach that might think a different way, might want to look at something different, try something different, and might send it the other direction or might impede the progress that has already begun on that offense. So again, you, you, you get a little bit of, you, he should get a little bit of the benefit of the doubt. He being, both Tyler Allen and Neil Brown here in that the offense is was moving in the right direction. So the last couple of decisions he's made on that side of the ball have been the right ones. So there's no reason to think that this is a wrong one. You want to talk no, defense I just, now? I just think that the one thing is like, people don't know Allen, but like he'll talk to the media twice a year. Um, and then people will get to know him and, and hear a little bit about his story. Again, played two years of junior college football and then kind of had the dream of being a coach, I think. You know, those who can do. And then he went to LSU and became a student assistant. And I mean, he's been coaching for a while. I think I think he'll be their third assistant coach under 30 years old, too, Chris. It's crazy to think about it. You get 10, three of them are under 30. And like, I don't think it's a financial thing either. Like, they're not they're not poor over there, too. And they're not going to pay him a lot of money, but they weren't paying Reagan a ton of money either. So they could have they could have gone out and spent a little bit. They're going to save money on this, but that's not the goal. So um, to to get someone young and new and, and cheap is the wrong word here. He's just not going to cost him a lot of money. That looks like a bad thing, but this is not the situation they're in. Are they in a great financial situation? No, the whole university isn't. I don't think cut corners on this. And they had a convenient path to a, a fix they want, and they just decided to go that route. We'll see how it works, but like I think this is very easy to explain in a press release or a news conference, and, and probably in time easy to accept, too. For one that may be a little bit more of a discussion is defense, surprisingly. I mean, they bring in a veteran coach who has had success um, for several years now, and I don't know. It's not him. That's the, that's the question mark. Uh, of course, like, I don't think people are like, Hey, wow, man, this guy, who is this guy? It's, it's more of what are they going to do about their coaching staff? And that's something you and I have been discussing on the pod and on the board for weeks now, ever since uh, Dante Wright was named defensive coordinator at Troy, you know, get the Intel that West Virginia was not looking for a safeties coach to replace the departed safeties coach that Shadon Brown was going to take over the back end. They were looking for an outside linebackers coach who would take that spot from Jordan Leslie, who, again, defensive coordinator slash outside linebackers coach, presumably no longer outside linebackers coach. He's going to be defensive coordinator and 
maybe safety. I don't, I don't know what they're going to listen as. Maybe they just call him a defensive coordinator. But the intel that we had at that time, and again, everything else has been confirmed so far, is that he's going to now help out on the back end with Shadon Brown. Walk around in the secondary, help things out, put his mind together there. You got Leslie, you got Brown, presumably somebody like Javon Codlin, who I, I brought up the last time we did a podcast as the, the GA. They call him Coach J-Cod. Uh, very much involved in recruiting. Um, very much involved with with cornerbacks uh, during practice and stuff. So you could see him very much involved in, in those three kind of working together and probably a couple other GAs. And is that sustainable? Because the person who told me this information weeks ago no <laughs> the very the very first thing i said to him was is there any other team in power four that has done this with one coach carrying the entire secondary and the response was from that person was they didn't know of one and i didn't either and i've yet to find one so is this sustainable mike also can we say this too the person that you were talking to um you gave them an idea and that person said that's what they should do that's not what they're going to do right <laughs> and that idea that idea by the way was the the jay cod to cornerbacks coach shadon brown to safeties coach that i i laid out on the on the podcast um what was that last month or earlier this month and if you thought that was obtuse they just promoted an analyst to quarterbacks coach so it's not not the same but it's not so in another arena that you Did can't you have that call me obtuse you're welcome <laughs> high praise yeah so is this sustainable though with with this kind of layout? So I, I think the the label for Jet, Jordan Leslie is going to be really interesting. Is he going to be like carpetbagger, and he's going to be like that hobo who's got a stick with his belongings packed in a bandana, and he just goes from one position to another? Like this week we got to have a good defensive line. This week we have to have good middle linebackers. This week we better be good in the secondary. Is he just like a flavor of the day coach? Is he put out fires? Is he a fireman? Like okay, nothing's wrong right now, man. The safety doesn't look good. I better get back there. Man, the defensive line didn't have a pass rush. I better get up there. I don't know how that's going to work. I think about the time that Tony Gibson, who was always a safeties coach or defensive line coach, I think briefly, he'd never been a linebackers coach. He was a defensive coordinator, and then he made himself a linebackers coach because he wanted to be in the middle of it. He wanted to understand how that everything in front of him and behind him worked because of what the linebackers did and how the linebackers worked because of what happened in front and behind them. Leslie obviously has that experience and that that acumen, but is he also, it's not the same, but is he going to be in the middle of the action no matter where it is and try to figure out what's going right or what's going wrong is helping what's in front behind next to the position that he's with. I'm really interested in this. I don't have an answer because I don't have a comp, Chris. So I've never seen this before. It might be a little bit different or might be a little bit, hopefully a little bit more detailed than we have right now, which is just giant question mark. And is this going to work? We'll see. So I'm curious about that's what spring football is for, I guess, for people like me. You get to see a little bit of stretching and ask these questions about what the heck's going on here. So we'll figure out what the heck is going on. My natural inclination is saying, no, this can't work. You can't have a floating coach. This is too specific. There's too many players with too many responsibilities. But why have this harebrained idea unless there's actually a way to make it work? And I'm sure that they've had this conversation. This doesn't come, Jordan Leslie just doesn't come to like indeed.com one day and post something or, or just say, hey, hey, Neil, we're, I'm doing this. This guy's coming in to interview soon. Is that okay? There's a lot of like checks to, to make sure this is actually a good idea and it's feasible before it ever gets out of the garage. Never mind the garage door gets open and people start looking inside. I, I think this is something that they probably talked about, thought about for a while um, is the defense and the continuity right now with coaches who've been there for a while. Is it so good that one guy can handle the safeties and corners? One guy can handle 
you know, the linebackers and, and maybe Jeff Coons can help Victor Cabral a little bit early on. And then does AJ Jackson know the defensive line well enough where Jordan Leslie doesn't have to hold hands all the time. Maybe he can go in and he can spend time where he needs or where he wants to. Um, or is he actually going to be like defensive coordinator, um, Oh, secondary coach. Don't know, man. We'll, we'll find a lot when they put these titles out. There might be a press release to explain the moves and how they're going to do stuff. It might wait until spring football. But right now, a lot of great questions, not a lot of great answers that we have. They have all the answers, though. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance, too, with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. I got a couple thoughts on how this might be positive, how how this can work. And the first, uh, I'm going to... I'll stick with that focus where we're talking specifically about Leslie's role. And again, there's the variable of what that is. Like, we don't know. But my first thought when I heard this and and I heard, hey, Jordan Leslie's going to be involved in the secondary. He's going to be back there. was, oh, my goodness, he's pulling Neil Brown for the defense. And we talked about it last year when Neil Brown named himself offensive coordinator. And it was, hey, this is your your last stand. And if you believe in yourself, you say, hey, I'm going to take it. And if I'm going down, I'm going down because I didn't do a good job or, or I'm the I'm the play caller. And he kind of or he didn't name himself offensive coordinator, named himself play caller. Excuse me. Let me correct that real quick. But um, and so my thought was, what has been the kind of downside to this defense for the last couple of years when it has not been good? It's been because the secondary has been getting eaten alive. Now, we've had discussions. Why is that scheme? Isn't this? Is that? Is that coaching? in my thought more often than not has been personnel problems, which is a subset of coaching that's got to be fixed. But I, I, I thought, Hey, is he really just being like, Hey, I'm going to step back here and I'm going to help. And we are going to figure this out because my job, I don't think his job depends on it. Like, I don't think he's in jeopardy of losing his job or anything, but I think he wants to say, Hey, we need to get back to where this defense was when I first started or when I first took over, and this defense was dominant. And he is going to try to step in there in that secondary and say, I'm going to help fix it. And if if things are going to continue to go south with the defense or not be that great, I, I want to be able to fix it with my hands on it and go from there. And, and that was my first thought. But again, the variable is, how much is he going to be involved in the secondary? And we won't know that until the spring. No matter, I mean, no matter what press release comes out, if it comes out before then. You know, Chris, um, Easy way to solve this problem. Hmm. Don't have any defensive backs. Who needs two coaches if you don't have a player? True. That is the next answer for all the questions we have, too. Um, what do you think of Cabral? What do you know about him? How do you think he ended up here? So that that was my next angle here was was maybe 
the other part of this where we've been talking about, because what was the first thing they said to us? And it's gotten less and less true as time has gone on, but the bandit was the key to this defense. The bandit position, that edge rusher, that outside linebacking edge rusher was the key to this defense. And it's more or less been meh to blah for five years. And, you know, there's been some games. Like, I mean, Jared Bartlett had a couple games that were just like, holy crap, this is what it can be. This is amazing. Um, with the Virginia Tech game a couple years ago where you had, what, like three sacks and a couple other rushes. Like, that that showed the potential. But it wasn't consistent. Uh, far from it. And they've been searching for that. And I wonder if now you get this extra guy in here to help with that, to help try to build that position. Maybe that can become, even if they start tweaking the defense a little bit, a little more important and a little more consistent, a little more impactful. Because that's the other part. You know what helps pass defense, Mike? Pass rush. If you can build a pass rush, then you can build up and help that defense. And that that takes me to something I want to give him credit. I believe his name is uh, Mike Lombardi, uh, NFL guy. And I hear him on some podcasts and sometimes. And he, he said he used to take, and he learned it from a, a, a former NFL coach, that their approach was to build strength on strength. If you have a strong pass rush, make it stronger. If you have a strong front seven, make it stronger. If you sit there and try to divert your resources to fill the gaps elsewhere, then you make your strong point weak and then you kind of don't end up strong anywhere. So this idea of bringing in Cabral and building up this front seven, I like it because then, you know, hey, maybe the secondary doesn't get much better. Maybe it doesn't. Who knows? But if your front seven is that much better, it'll hide the fact that your back end isn't quite as good. Mm-hmm. I'm wondering, Harris, we're talking like we've spent a lot of um, a lot of words on this 3-4 or whatever iteration of a 3-4 they're going to have. It's not going to be an NFL 3-4. It might be a lot like a 4-2-5. We'll see. And they'll explain it better than we have, even though they tried and we tried. But once we see it, probably in a, in a like the next phase of development in the spring. And then again in the fall, because they'll have more parts in the transfer portal, maybe the, the freshman class, too. What we know, though, is that you've got your two inside linebackers, which are going to be Mike and Will, and that's going to be Jeff Koons now. You're going to have your outside linebackers. Now, in the past, that was just the bandit. We know that they're going to make this 3-4 with a hybrid like Sam and like Big Nickelback, which used to be the spear. So could Cabral have the Sam and the bandit, and then could Leslie be that hybrid, or does he coach hybrids in the in the defensive backfield? Like maybe Brown six at the corners, and maybe one of those two is safeties. I don't know. But like, is there a way for Leslie to kind of marry what he knows a little bit about the defense in general, and then the outside edges? He knows the defensive line. Obviously, he coached the edge position the last two years, and then he knows enough of the defense he could wing it. I think that's probably a bad way to put it, but he could wing it in the defensive backfield. But he's also going to be in charge of that Sam linebacker because if they're doing something new. If it's his idea to do something new, he might actually know what it takes or what he wants to unlock this defense at that that swing, you know, Sam, Spear, big nickel position. Maybe that's his thing in the future. He doesn't get the Sam, but he gets the versatility part of that room. And, and that's the hinge that turns this defense from what it has been to what it wants to be. And again, these will all come out in the wash when we get these details. But the more I think about this, I figure he's he's not going to be just roaming around a positionless. That might be his his actual like what's on his business card maybe that maybe something from that 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 word salad i just put out there fits on the business card oh my goodness does this mean we're gonna have to like check 
Twitter handles and make see what their profile updates as to see what they say their position is. You want to do it right now? Yeah, I'll check it right now because I think it was it was a couple years, obviously a couple years ago, because Travis Trickett was on staff, and then all of a sudden one day, like inside receivers just like disappeared from his Twitter page, and that was how he found out that he wasn't on inside receivers anymore or something. So we check Jordan Leslie, and I still defensive coordinator and outside linebackers coach. So still could be true. Coach Cabral. Outside linebackers coach. Ooh, something's got to change there. Yeah, we got conflicting stories already. Let's have two outside linebacker coaches. That's fine. Get two outside linebackers. Make it work. That's fine. Um. So, what was the other thing? You, you mentioned the salaries, right? We we haven't found that out yet. The hirings are not yet official. I mean, Cabral has already changed his information, changed his picture, sent out his thank you to Appalachian State and everything like that. But it has not been announced by the university. That usually takes, what, a few days. Um, And they'll get that paperwork done. They'll release things out and probably get our hands on the contracts. But you don't think the the numbers, because Wright was, you know, standard for – Dante Wright was standard contract, I think, for his his experience and his position. And – same with Sean Reagan. But it's not, you don't think this has anything to do with that, like money. Because first thought off the top of my head, they're saving money with these two moves. And part of that's due to to Tyler Allen. Um, you know, he's going to be not a rookie assistant coach, but close to it. So I'm thinking this is going to save at least a few bucks. But again, this is this is what, pennies in the grand scheme of things. So does it really matter? So right I'm trying to think in my head here. Wright was making 275 annually, which is good money. Um, and then Reagan was making, I'm trying to find this right now. Reagan, I wish I'd done this in my head. Reagan was making 270. So 275 and 270. Neither one of those guys is going to make that money. Um, you're you're not paying Allen that much money. I would imagine he probably comes in at like 150, 175. Cabral was making, I believe, 135 at Appalachia State. Chris, they might just free up one entire salary. Like, I'm not, I mean, Cabral is going to make, let's say, 200, 350 if you put Allen in there. So you're going from 350. Yeah, you're, you're saving like 200 grand. Yeah. Is that that big of a deal? I mean, what are we talking about? 200 grand isn't a lot of money. It obviously, for us, for me, it is. I don't know about you, Chris, but it yeah. is. Oh, it is. Good. I'm glad to hear that. Otherwise, we're going to talk about my compensation. <laughs> I don't think that's what moves the needle, though, too. Like, if you had a guy who was making 700 and you want to get rid of him and you replace him with a guy who's making 150 that starts to look a little bit more curious here. Um, the other part about this is, too, is um, you let's say they let's say they free up 200 grand here. Not that they freed up, but they have a $200,000 nest egg they can use now. There's some coaches that you got to pay. Like, last year, they, they, re- they retained A.J. Jackson. Like, there was definitely some interest in him, and they sweetened his deal. They definitely sweetened the package for Chad Scott, but hard to say he didn't do a good job. They really like what Bilal Marshall did. If Bilal Marshall has a good season coming up, other people may like what he's doing. Like, what if what if somebody in Florida, what if Purdue needs a receivers coach? I don't know how that's going to work, but you you can be proactive about this stuff rather than reactive. It's very different to to have negotiations in February and March rather than November, December, because the price of business changes, especially if the guy thinks he's worth it and then proves he is worth it. And all of a sudden, other people agree and like want him to work for them. Well, 
not only are you combating other your, your peers for that coach's services, but you're kind of combating the why didn't you believe in me before? I always had this and you didn't see it. You can rub a lot of that stuff out right now if you just use your money that you have wisely. And that's part of the transaction and roster management, I guess, with your with your coaches, so to speak. If they're going to free up a couple hundred thousand dollars, they can actually be proactive now and take care of some people and put out some fires before they ever start. That's not a bad thing. And then that makes this definitely not a money thing. And if you think back to Rem Baker's news conference in December, I think shortly before Christmas, one of the things he said he had to do was to raise money. He had to increase revenue because he had to increase expenses. And one of the expenses he thought he had to absolutely increase was on the coaching staff. And head coach, whatever, always going to be a high ticket, but you're going to have to be more and more competitive hiring and especially retaining coaches and little things like this actually can go a long way. So if you're trading out one part for another, think about this. Yeah, you're, you're, this is a weird analogy, but okay, you're just hiring Tyler Allen, but you're also keeping Chad Scott and Bilal Marshall. Um, you're just hiring Victor Cabral, but you're also making sure that AJ Jackson isn't going anywhere, or at least you're not making sure you're doing what your part, the guy may have a change of heart in the future. He may be way too good and he may get an offer from an SEC school or a big 10 school that West Virginia can't, can't match, won't match, but at least you tried. And that is a much better look in the industry and in-house than not being able to or not trying. And if they can do some of that stuff, that's good news. That's a good development for them. One other angle, like uh, polish up your recruiting uh, card real quick, because I think this is a part that I'm very interested in seeing over the next few months. Um, it's going to be a dead period in February. Maybe they talk it all over there. Maybe they already have a plan, um, but Who's going to recruit where? Because I think the guy's out. Um, you know, Sean Reagan, like, spot-recruited quarterbacks, and I imagine Tyler Allen will do the same. Like, no matter where the quarterback is, that's the quarterback's coach's job. Like, you're going to Arizona, you're going to California, you're going to, you know, Alabama, Florida, wherever it is. doesn't matter. So that's going to be about the same. And Allen has ties down there. He has ties down to, like, the junior colleges in Mississippi. That's where he played. Um, he was on staff for a little bit at LSU. So he's got he's and then at Jacksonville State. So he's going to be in that kind of southeast region area. Um, otherwise, if they need him to recruit other positions. But Cabral, again, northern Florida, Alabama, Georgia, into the Carolina a little bit, but mostly he recruits Georgia, Alabama, and Northern Florida, which West Virginia already has recruiters for all of those positions. Meanwhile, Dante Wright's on the way out. And he was big recruiter in northern Ohio or uh, kind of northern Ohio in the uh, not the northeast Ohio, but northwest Ohio and into Michigan and going into various places like St. Louis and a couple spots where he had very tight connections. Who's going to pick up those spots? They'll figure it out. And a lot of these guys are very personable and they'll be able to make new connections and everything like that. But I imagine there's going to be some tweaks coming to the recruiting areas for these guys. And we've already seen or I think we've seen some. Uh, I noted it in one of our VIP Buzz articles the other day. Jordan Leslie has long time been the southern, central and southern Ohio recruiter. Yeah. And throughout the entire month of January, almost every kid I've talked to that's gotten offers, like in the Columbus area, they're talking to Jeff Coons, who, again, he recruits northeast Ohio, so it's not that big of a stretch for him to kind of dip down in that way. But I think there's going to be some tweaks coming to the recruiting trying to make up for this kind of mismatch of guys out, guys in, and where their connections are. Do you think Leslie just got fed up of doing like 57 miles an hour in the left lane? <laughs> just leaning out of his horn, just trying to get from one high school to the other? Like, 
Got to be in Zanopolis in an hour. Move. <laughs> yeah, I think we all know what it's like to drive around Columbus and into Cincinnati and everything with with oh. some of these drivers. So, yes. so here in some of the cities and the assignments you're rattling off there, um, do you, do they need to be in Missouri? No, no. Michigan. I thought that was a waste of time. Michigan, you know, that was. I think that was a pure Dante Wright connection, and there has been some. Was that pre Dante Wright arrival? Maybe it was right of the first year. I mean, they'll ship. 50 to 60 kids down from Michigan on a bus for, for camps. And all of them are D one prospects, but again, how much time do you need to spend there? Is it that big of a top priority? I think it's a good place for, ta- uh, for talent. Well, West Virginia hasn't exactly hit a bit. Was the best player that come there? I think you and I talked about it. We said Martel Petaway and he was, you know, a backup running back for a couple of years and, 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 you know, West Virginia hasn't had much success there. Otherwise, Missouri, just two players, I think, all time for Missouri, Chase Barrett and uh Leno Carr. Carr. Right. So yeah. is that worth it? So I don't I don't mind experimenting sometimes and giving the run. Like if, if a guy has a couple of good camps, like if an assistant coach gets a whole bunch of people from one big like Metroplex, not Metroplex, but like one big metropolis, I guess, and he gets to come in a couple of times, you get a good players, so maybe you give that a, a spin for a couple of years. If it doesn't work, it doesn't work. Because your your core is gonna be your core. And in addition to what like West Virginia has traditionally relied upon, like Brown has done a pretty good job, um, kind of kind of being a, more deeply rooted in like the Georgia area, I think, which is not new, but they tried that before. Like Monty Galloway was probably the person I really remember who really sunk into that. Um, Gibby was down there too, and they they've kept that going. I'm trying to think of other ones here. Carolinas have always been tough. Like, would you try to get in there? I don't know. Do, do, you, do you think whether it's with the current staff or these additions here, Chris, that they might circle a new area or dig in somewhere where they're starting to, again, plant some roots or, or I don't know. Can you see the future on this one? It's tough because you, you just pointed out what you just said there was very interesting because like the, the Georgia's like they, Georgia, you know, is recruiting. You know, let's see where I'm at in this video. Well, for those listening, you're not seeing this, but Georgia's way up here. And but then there's a whole group of recruits right in here that West Virginia can come in and get and other teams can come in and get in the Carolinas, the NC States, the UNC's, the Dukes, West Virginia is recruiting the same players as them, like the same level of players of them. So it's going to be a lot harder to convince those kids to leave their hometown teams to come to West Virginia. Whereas in the case of Georgia, they may have Georgia aspirations, but they got this level of talent and West Virginia can pull them away. Um, so that I think that's part of the reason why, as you noted, it's been tough for West Virginia to recruit in South Carolina, North Carolina, even Virginia, like, you know, Virginia, Virginia Tech. Again, that's a, like similar kind of talent pool that the teams, all three teams are pulling from. And the hometown team is going to win out on a lot of that. So um, sticking in Georgia, hitting Georgia hard, Ohio, same thing, you know, Ohio State way up there. West Virginia come in and grab those guys right under Ohio State's nose. They don't have, you know, Cincinnati, sure, you can compete against them, but other teams trying to do the same thing. And that's kind of how you have to look at it. And I think that's where West Virginia can find some success is to kind of continue to, along the same lines of my conversation about the the build strength on strength, put more effort and more effort into these areas where you've already had success recruiting and can recruit and continue to do it. That's where Cabral is maybe interesting in the recruiting picture is that just one year at App State, App State would be below that UNC NC State, probably Duke even too. But if you can talk that next cut into coming to Appalachia State as opposed to ECU, um, that's an interesting angle. But more to your point, a lot of time in Georgia. And Georgia was not like the, the University of Georgia was not the University of Georgia at that time. 
Um, they started to get a humming, but Georgia's always big in that state. And if he was at Georgia Southern, the Georgia Military College, a little bit different, although that's a good school there. He knows the, how to talk to those players and their coaches about big time football outside of the shadow of the Bulldog in Athens. And that's a good way to maybe pluck a few players every so often from that state. It's not, you're not going to build a class on players in Georgia, but you're certainly going to fill needs or find a really good player, maybe, maybe a top player in your class from there. And if he can do that, maybe not right away, but eventually then that seems like it fits what they've been trying to do too. So on, on that level, it makes sense. All right, Mike. Um, that's all I got on these assistant coaches. I don't, I don't have much else to add until, hey, until we figure out what it is they're doing and where they're actually coaching. Um, once we get those assignments finalized on defense, maybe we'll circle back and share a quick thought, maybe a three minute video for the future. Once we figure out exactly what the plan is um, all right. for that coaching staff, what do you got coming up this week? Uh, they're still playing basketball at the Coliseum. Right. They are got a home game. Cincinnati, so that'll be good. Um, football schedule comes out tomorrow, Chris, and I'm going to work on getting some of the details hopefully mm-hmm. sooner or later on that, and then we can um, we can have a discussion about exactly how easy or how hard this schedule is and where it ranks in the top whatever of the country. Exciting. Do you need a moment to brag that you were one of the few people who said it was not a hard schedule last year? Go ahead. You got You got 30 seconds. Go ahead. Hubris, Chris. Because I also had them winning seven games. They won nine, so I can't really <laughs> take too much yeah. of a battle. I just didn't think it was that difficult. And we'll see. Again, just certain things. Who you play, who they play before you, the rest, the travel, all that. Like, there's – it's just not just, like, the collective record of the your opponents the year before. That matters. But just, like, something that was valuable for me was looking at the amount of – like, you put this in my head, the amount of snaps lost or gained from the transfer portal. And then the the value added in talent by recruiting a transfer port. Like you're you're you could have a nine win team and you added a ton of talent. You're gonna be really good, obviously, because you won nine games, but also because you added a ton of talent too. That's more important to me. But if you're playing like the team after they play Texas every week, you're gonna get a beat up opponent every week. So that that was like just a way to look at the schedule. We can go over that again once we figure out who plays who, and maybe that's something we do later in this week. Well, and I'll have some recruiting stuff still. More visitors coming, guys finishing up trips uh, later this week, and then the dead period starts. So West Virginia is going to try to get more juniors and sophomores up on campus for visits before that. Um, if you're wondering about transfers and signings and stuff, your signing day is you know going to be, what is that, the 7th, the first Wednesday or whatever it is, the first Wednesday of February. No expectations of a signature. Um, wow. Wow. Well, it, no, maybe a million of them. Come to the site, check it out, click on everything. We'll figure it out later. But we're gonna it, hide it, it in different stories. We're gonna put faux headlines on there. You have to click everyone to find out. <laughs> that's that's more like it. Um, but in all seriousness, I think you're gonna see more movement after that dead period in February. Uh, anything that happens, maybe one guy. Who that guy is? Not there yet. So imagine going into a coma in 2016 and waking up. 2024 you're like all right i gotta get to work no you don't chris actually things are fine don't worry about it right yep until then i'm mike casaza and i'm chris anderson we will talk to you then